Hi, everybody, and welcome to Mecha Dragon, a podcast about all the geeky and nerdy stuff you love. Brought to you by Captain Geek and the Dark Nerd. I'm your Captain Will. And I'm your nerd, Jess. Today, we're talking Rise of Skywalker, episode 9 of the Star Wars Skywalker Saga, and this will be our spoiler-filled review and discussion of the movie. So if you do not want spoilers, make sure you instead get our other episode, which is the non-spoiler review, and then, uh, you know, come on back and listen to this one after you see the movie. So yeah, once you watch Iron Man die, you can join us. <laughs> so once, uh, yeah, so if you're ready for spoilers, let's get into it. So Jess, why don't we start with just some brief general thoughts about the movie, and then we can get into a lot more detail. So what are your general thoughts uh, about the movie? Uh, overall, I really liked it. It was a lot of fun. I went and saw, saw it uh, two, two separate times, each time with one of my children. Uh, separately and they both really enjoyed it It was a fun ride like i mentioned in our non-spoiler review it's it's star wars i love being there it's a great you know call back to the good old days and it was a fun ride the story was fun uh the mysteries were very exciting when they were finally revealed and seeing how it all unfolded i thought was done really well wasn't the best movie of all but it was it was Star Wars. It was fun. It was a good time. And uh, worst Star Wars movie is still better than the best Medea movie. <laughs> well, look, but, I... But I this really, was not the worst. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie, too. And it's not my favorite Star Wars movie. But I do think that it addressed everything that the conclusion needed to address. I think that right. if you... I think that if you hated The Last Jedi, you're probably really going to like this movie. But if you love The Last Jedi, like I've seen a lot of people who love The Last Jedi that did still also like this movie, and some who really did not like it. I mean, you know, everybody has their opinion, but I think that it definitely feels like more old school Star Wars than The Last Jedi. And... I am fine with the way that it kind of went back to its like simpler like mythic fairy tale roots in a way. Although I do think if I have any criticism of it that it could have had some more depth to a lot of things in the movie and we'll get into some some details later. But uh, overall I did really enjoy it. I gave it in our non-spoiler podcast uh, 8 out of 10 lightsabers and I think you gave it 7.5 right out of 10. 7.5. Yeah, so that's where we're coming from. So let's start with the beginning, the very opening, like, title crawl. I thought that that, you know, know, the yellow text uh, receding into the star field in the distance in the beginning, I think that was really nicely written. It just puts, you know, Palpatine's return right up front. I mean, literally the first two sentences are, The dead speak! The galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge in the sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. I think that is a really fantastic way to begin this movie. You know, and if you compare that to (laughs) the very episode one, The Phantom Menace, like the first two sentences are, turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. <laughs> uh, I think tax is bad. I think Rise of Skywalker is uh, <laughs> a more exciting way to begin the movie. Yeah, it's, 
Yeah. Um, Slightly more important. But no, I think that um, regardless of how you feel about Palpatine's return, uh, it was it was good to begin the movie with with that rather than trying to like tease it out until until like the middle of the movie or something because like just yeah, like, like acknowledge the elephant in the room and get on with it. I say, you know. Yeah, it's like who could it be? Who could it be? Oh no, it's Palpatine. You know. And, and we knew he was going to be in it, too, from the spoilers as well. Well, from the trailers, yeah, we or knew. From the trailers, not the spoilers. So, so like, how do you feel about the fact that Palpatine returns as the big main villain of this, of Episode Nine, concluding the entire trilogy of trilogies? How do you feel about his inclusion, period? Um, I think I would have liked it better if they didn't just, like add him in the third movie. There was no mention of Palpatine at all in the first two. Mm-hmm. Even from, like, Luke when he was training Ray, maybe he could have said something, or maybe I sense a disturbance in the Force, or something like that. And, uh, I, I just feel they, they sprung it on him. I don't have a problem with him being in the movie. I like the way uh, they worked with him, mm-hmm. and I thought his scenes were really cool. But, I don't know, it's, it just feels like this third movie doesn't exactly fit the other two you know i um i don't disagree with you and i feel like maybe there could have been a better ultimate villain at the end of this you know third trilogy on the other hand i think i think that if they were going to do that they did need to seed it or have that in mind when they started episode seven right yeah this movie could have been a standalone movie by itself Oh, I don't know about and that. And you could have still... Well, I mean, you already developed the characters of Ray and all that. They could have had their own end of the story, but I don't know. It's just this one doesn't have anything to do with the other two movies aside from the relationship between uh, Ray and Kylo. Oh, I don't agree with that. I think that they actually took a lot of stuff from, like, every- A, everything that was set up in Force Awakens, which is basically the characters and the general situation. And then there's actually a lot of stuff that The Last Jedi seeded that this movie worked with. I would have liked them to leverage some of the stuff from The Last Jedi a little bit further. But, you know, yeah, so I I disagree a little bit there. We can get into details, but I want to stay on Palpatine for the moment, right? (laughs) Like, I want... You know, it's interesting that we both agree on this point that he, you know, he could have... It would have been better if he would have been seeded into the previous movies. I wonder if we'll eventually get like a special edition where they throw him into the background or a scene where he's talking yeah, to Snow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When they Probably s- not. Oh, the graphics on this monster were wrong, so we're gonna do them better this time. Oh, look, Palpatine. No, I mean I eating an ice cream cone. But I, you know, this yeah. goes back to what I believe I've I've said several times uh, in other uh, episodes of ours. But basically. If they were going to do this trilogy of movies, I think that it would have behooved them to have more of a plan for the entire trilogy going into it. Because just right. the fact that you had, okay, so they put J.J. Abrams in charge of episode seven, they put Ryan Johnson in charge of episode eight, and then originally episode nine, they gave the tre- uh, Colin Trevorrow, who has done like the new Jurassic World movies, uh, which in my opinion are a little lackluster. And I was not sad when they right. took him off of the project, but he did have significant input into the story as well as uh, the people that he brought on to to write it. I, and then JJ worked with them to finish up the, the script, and I'm sure JJ, you know, made sure that he was happy with it too. But 
All I'm saying is, say what you want about the choices that George Lucas made over the course of the preceding six movies, but at least he had a unified vision for what the saga should be. And he kept to that, whatever that spine of the story was. And so I think that, if anything, this final trilogy suffers from a slight disunity of uh, ideas in the sense that, look, you can't plan every single detail up front. But if they would, I, I feel like they didn't have the end game planned out at the beginning. And I think that as a storyteller, that's typically really important to do. And so I think that given what episodes seven and eight were, I think that Palpatine probably was the best choice for the ultimate villain at the end. And I do really like how his inclusion and the way they handled him did give us a lot more information and lore about the Sith. And not only about the Sith, but about what had been going on with the Sith since, well, since the end of the Galactic Republic. You know, right. between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So I, so that's how I felt about Palpatine's inclusion. And you know what? I love the way that Ian McDermott plays that character. He brings, yeah. like, the perfect amount of, like, drama, melodrama, and just the littlest bit of camp to it. Uh, uh-huh. Maybe maybe a lot of camp in some instances, but I think that he just <laughs> plays that type of villain perfectly so i give him serious props for that and i think that the way they handled palpatine was really good i just think that if there was going to be a different villain that could have worked better they needed to have had that in mind since the beginning of this trilogy that's that's how i feel about it. right yeah that's the thing too this whole trilogy it's like the other trilogies you knew who the bad guy was all along Mm -hmm. you know there was always the darth vader there was always you know Anakin's rise to power and introducing the Emperor and, you know, him manipulating everyone. And that was a common theme and thread. In this trilogy, there really wasn't. It was more just about, you know, Kylo Ren and the New Order. Well, you know, not everything can be the same. And and frankly, you know, I'm relieved that it just wasn't a total rehash of Return of the Jedi in the same way that Force Awakens was a rehash of A New Hope. Right. I'm really glad they didn't do that. And I think that that would not have been totally appropriate. I mean, that's I mean, I, I like Force Awakens a lot, but my big problem with it is that it's the same movie as A New Hope. It's the same movie. Yeah. Oh, I mean, look, it's a Death Star. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got it's got great moments, and it's executed extremely well. And, you know, I like a lot of things about it, but I wanted to see something new. Not so yeah. new that it didn't feel like Star Wars in the way that, like, Episodes 1 and 2, in a sense, didn't feel totally like Star Wars to me. Uh, some of the prequel yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't need 8-bit graphics redone in 32-bit graphics. You know, I want to see something and it, and completely it's, different. And it's possible that, you know, J.J. in the studio felt that the way the prequels were received, a lot of people said it didn't really feel like Star Wars. They really had to come home to that nostalgic feeling that people associated with Star Wars, because especially because of the fact that George Lucas wasn't involved, that he had sold Lucasfilm. Right. You know, they had to bring Star Wars back in a big way that would allow them to continue with the franchise. So anyways, 
They could have just winged it like the Double Ds did with the Game of Thrones I last think, season. Yeah, I mean, I think what I'm really saying is that there's a certain influence that Disney has had on the franchise that resulted in some of these uh, challenges in making this final trilogy. And I think that in a couple cases, they made choices that didn't work out so well that reverberated all the way up to this final movie. Um, and because of that, you know, maybe we didn't get right. the the new trilogy villain that that could have been better. But on the other hand, I think Palpatine was great. Yeah. Okay. He's great for what he is, but uh, he's he's kind of boring. You know, <laughs> you he doesn't think? do the flips and the jumps around as much as the others. Well, he's Every not a very that, he's but. not a very nuanced villain in the sense that. At least in this movie, he's just evil incarnate, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, the, he definitely right. had it's more like depth. he's at a smorgasbord of evil, and he just wants yeah. more. I want to put more, more in my pocket, in my belly. I think he had the most depth in the prequel trilogy, honestly, when he was, mm-hmm. he had his, you know, Younger. Fa- facade of, like, being the reasonable senator, and he, behind the scenes, he's manipulating things. But at at its heart, Star Wars is a very simple story about good and evil. And, you know, George Lucas has talked about the fact that, you know, and I think he, uh, I read an article or something where J.J. said he actually talked to George Lucas before making this final movie. And George reminded him that, look, you know, these type of stories are really for kids because stories are there to show kids, to teach children what is what are acceptable and good ways of leading your life, right? And so I think that because Star Wars was such a So did hit, George Lucas just diss all of us adults who love Star Wars? No, I, I, <laughs> what I'm saying is he, he reminded J.J. not to forget the no, kids. No, I get what you're saying. And so therefore I think that, right. it, you know, it did return to its roots of being a fairy tale-like, you know, mythic-like morality tale. Now yeah. I think that some of the... I think that one of the things that Last Jedi did that that made people dislike the movie was it introduced more complexity and it made you really think about your heroes as actual human beings. And as yeah. as an adult, I absolutely love that. I'm a huge fan of The Last Jedi. And so that's the part that I feel like they maybe could have leveraged a little bit more in Rise of Skywalker. But at the same time... I think that it did need to stay true to the way the rest of the Star Wars movies felt thematically in terms of this struggle between good and evil. And, you know, George has talked about how at its base, Star Wars was always about the fact that there are some people who are really selfish and there are some people who were selfless. And, you know, the the way the story plays out, it shows you which one's more dangerous (laughs) and which one hurts people and which one helps people. So... Anyways, that's my reading of the reason that they made some of the decisions to make Rise of Skywalker the way that it is. But right. on a on a, like a visceral level, I really did enjoy the movie. It was fun. There were parts that gave me goosebumps, you know. Did you cry? I did not cry, uh, but I was perhaps slightly emotional when certain things did, happened. Did your allergies kick in? <laughs> my allergies, no. No, no, sir. So, um, what? My allergies must be kicking, and my eyes won't stop watering. Yeah. So, what's um, what's a big uh, part of the movie that you really want to talk about? I like right from the very beginning. I loved how they were just jumping right into the action. 
you know, you got Poe and uh, Finn in the, what's it called, Millennium Falcon. And they're flying around and they're trying to get uh, some information. Supposedly there's a worm or a spy in the New Order. Mm-hmm. And just right off the bat, they just get you jumping in the action and, yeah, you know, sitting on the edge of your seat. And from there, it's just, I thought the story was really good. It's, I don't know, it's, I, it's like I said, it's, you're still just absorbing it. I just saw it a couple hours ago, and I still can't keep it all straight in my head. Yeah, you know? yeah, but, I hear uh, they, uh They pulled a, pulled a couple dirty tricks on us, especially with Chewbacca. Oh, I know. I, like, I thought he was dead. I was like, they, they did it. They <laughs> yeah. really did it. They did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, I don't know how I feel, honestly, about the fact that that was a fake-out. Right. Like, I d- on one hand, I didn't want them to kill, like, every single character from the original trilogy. <laughs> but right. on the other hand, it felt a little bit cheap uh, to me, to be honest. <clears throat> well, yeah, because it was funny, because they never showed the second ship. They showed Chewie getting loaded onto the, the one ship. And then Poe turns around and runs back in and says, they're here, they're here. That was Finn. Finn runs back in and says, they're here, they've got Chewie. And then they come out five seconds later, and there's still just that one ship taken off. And then uh, I think the whole scene between Kylo and Rey in that desert, that was cool. Because that was one of the scenes in the trailers where, is that a training scene? Is that a training scene or is that a... uh, is that a we're fighting right now scene? And it turns out it was a fighting scene. Kylo did not show up to uh, teach. Well, I guess he did show up to teach Ray something, but uh, not in a training manner, so to speak. I guess at that time we're thinking, oh, well, Palpatine told him to go kill Ray, so that's what he's trying to do. But I think, as he later explains, he went down there to basically just try and turn her to the dark side so they could supplant Palpatine as the new emperor, uh, emperor and empress. Right. I was like that moment when she used the force to stop the the ship from going up into the sky. Yeah. I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> that was yeah." No, that, that was, was a cool, cool scene. Yeah, that was cool. So, um, and then she started shooting the lightning, and I wasn't expecting that. Oh, I didn't expect that I, either. I but... think we've we've only ever seen that from Palpatine. That's never been anyone else. Palpatine and Dooku, I think, in the prequels, did it. If okay, I'm not mistaken, yeah, maybe I think. Dooku. But that's it, yeah. But that was so funny. The thing blows up. She's like, Chewie! And everyone in the theater's like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I That was that was, uh, that was was huge. But, you know, it, it was kind of a fake out, and so it felt a little bit cheap uh, to me. Mm. Not that I wanted Chewie to die. I, I didn't. But it's like, if you're going to... Look, if you, if you take a character and make the audience believe that they're dead and then later reveal that they're not dead, You, what you risk is deflating the stakes, you know? Now, right. luckily, there the movie had enough <laughs> other things going on that there were still, you know, some pretty high stakes, and I liked how it wasn't another Death Star, thank God, but, yeah. but that instead it was more of a... You know, the Empire's back worse than ever with a huge fleet of planet killers. Like, that was better. I wasn't quite 100% uh, happy with the fact that, like, every Star Destroyer has a gun that can blow up an entire planet the way the Death Star could. I feel like it could have been slightly... 
I feel like it could have been slightly less powerful and still had the same effect. Like, what if it blew a big hole in the planet and it's sitting there in chunks? Everybody's still dead. Uh, (laughs) The planet is still uninhabitable. It's just that, you know, it, it felt like the word unrealistic maybe is not the best one to apply to the Star Wars universe in any way. But uh, it, felt right. like, it felt like too big of a, a leap in, like, the miniaturization of that technology, I guess. Although it has been, like, you know, 60 years since they first designed the Death Star. I don't know. And, and where did all those damn Star Destroyers come from? And why were they buried underground? I think that the way that I read that was that ever since the Emperor was overthrown, you know, he somehow survived and got himself back to the Sith homeworld, Exegol, and... Uh, probably brought like a bunch of loyalists with him, I would think. And at that point, well, if it's they their just... homeworld, there has to be a population. Well, there's that too. That was already there. But like, it just seemed to me that probably what happened was ever since that time, they've been building the fleet, you know? So between, so that's been like over 20 years since uh, the Return of the Jedi. So he's just been yeah. building up to this moment, I guess. I mean, it is a little bit. You know, there hasn't been any, like, clue of that <laughs> since then, at least in the yeah. main Star Wars movies. But who knows? You know, maybe something in The Mandalorian will flesh that out or, you know, we'll get that from somewhere else. But um, that's how I read oh, it. Oh, one of – when the big uh, – at the end battle where all of the uh, people come in to back up everybody and they brought all their ships. Mm-hmm. And the general's like, where did all these – what is this, the Navy? And the guy's <laughs> like, no, these are just – people mm-hmm. i was watching a uh, breakdown of the movie and in that scene where they show the huge fleet mm-hmm. coming forward mm-hmm. right before the uh the millennium falcon drops down into the screenshot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with lando yeah they show they they point out all the different ships there and they did say that the razor crest which is the mandalorian ship was spotted no way in that that is awesome yeah, spot that is awesome yeah they they pointed out like five or six different ships it was pretty cool. that is great i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to look at that but uh, you know that does not surprise me given how the mandalorians feel about the empire <laughs> you know but that is so cool yeah. and what did i say I, in my predictions i said that that's exactly what would happen yeah, you know? everyone would come up and band together. Actually, I went back through my little prediction like of the story, and granted, you know, there was a lot of things that I got wrong, but the overall shape of the story, I think I got it pretty pretty spot on. Yeah. I told you Princess Leia was going to die. <laughs> You're right. And in hindsight, you. you know, it does make sense. And I was actually really um, surprised with how much they were out of, able to get out of that old footage they had with her, you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, the other side of her scenes, whatever they were f- that was cut from The Force Awakens, I mean, they wrote all new lines around everything that they had with Leia. But I think yeah. it worked. I think and it worked tech- fairly fine. Yeah. And with the technology these days, I'm not saying they used it, but that whole deep fake technology, well, that's something they can use they, to they could really have. change the way their mouth moves. They could. Well, but they said that they were not going to do any of that. And so, and I, and I get it and I, I respect that decision, but so that, so like in a sense, it would have been impossible, I think, to make this movie without Leia in it. And so I'm glad that they had some way to do that without just constructing a totally digital Leia. Yeah. And I think maybe for those scenes where they were flashbacks to the training with the lightsabers. Oh, that was obviously CGI, obviously. Or they could have used her daughter, you know, with makeup. 
Well, I've had to look. No, that was... her daughter's in the movie, too. No, that was definitely a, a CGI face for her and for Luke. And so they de-aged him, obviously. Um, right. But they, had, they obviously had to use a, a different physical actor to do both of those because neither you know right. even if she was alive neither of them look like that they're, anymore physically they're a little thick thick around <laughs> the middle well it's it's all natural i'm just saying that you know they had to I, mean, I don't think i don't think luke looked bad he was just curvy <laughs> that's the way you like him <laughs> <laughs> but so actually while we're on this topic can we just talk about luke for a minute yes sir so what are, what are your thoughts on luke in this movie force ghost luke let's see we saw him was the first time when uh, she tried to after she stole uh kylo's ship and she went back to and that island it. yeah she went back to octo yeah went back to luke's island mm-hmm. and threw the lightsaber into the fire and he stepped out and said what are you doing overall i thought luke was kind of like the kind older uncle you know he yeah. didn't he wasn't really serious in this movie even like when he's like what do you mean raising the he, he was just kind of i don't know he was kind of like hey i'm uncle luke <laughs> you know he, he had was, a more... he wasn't as as uh what do you say not morose but uh just less normally he's like focused and we've got it well he had a more guy, casual yada, yada, yada. demeanor towards ray in this movie yeah perhaps, he's uncle I luke think. He's Uncle Luke. He's Uncle Luke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, te- technically, he is Uncle Luke to Kylo to Ben. <laughs> so, well, but true. you know, I, I, true. I did. So on one hand, I think you can view those scenes with Luke as like a a, a, a clear repudiation of events in the Last Jedi. I think there's that, but right. I don't really see it that way because even though he is different than he was in the Last Jedi that's because at the end of that movie he had a realization and changed his ways and came to save yeah. the save the rebellion and he's a person who has gotten through that struggle and come out you know better on the other end of it and so when ray comes to the island she comes to do exactly what he did right so he kind of slipped and had this moment where he was ready to just for a split second where he was ready to kill um, ben Solo, because he saw he was afraid right. by the dark side in him and how much power he had. But by that same token, when Ray zapped that ship and destroyed it with the Force lightning, she came to hide too. And that's where he, as the master, yeah. was there to say, wait, no, don't make the mistake that I made. And I think that that is cohesive with the previous movie. And I don't think it's a yeah. stretch uh, for for that to have happened, and so I was I was really happy with that, and I love you know how his first line was something like he was like, "What are you doing? A Jedi's weapon deserves more respect," and he did say that a little whimsically right. because I think he was acknowledging like his reaction when she first came to the island where he just tossed the lightsaber. Yeah, but yeah, like how, like beyond Luke being more casual or whatever, how, like how do you feel he was handled in the movie? Like I thought they worked him in well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he didn't have much. There was that scene and then the scene at the end, once he gave her, when he lifted the X-Wing, his old red five love out of the water. I love that moment when he lifted out the X-Wing because it was such a clear callback to The Empire Strikes Back when he right. tried and failed and thought it was impossible and then Yoda did it. And it was literally the exact same music from when Yoda pulled it out after that. Oh, was it? Yeah. 
And that was just, and like, I think there was a shot like close up on him or like a medium shot where he gives her like a smile or something when she looks back with this expression of beaming smile. Yeah. Goofy bastard. That was, that was a cool (laughs) nostalgic moment. And I really did appreciate the nostalgic stuff in the movie. I just, I guess, again, one of the criticisms I, I guess I have of the movie is that you know, maybe it was a little bit too heavy on like the prepackaged nostalgia. Right. I think that it's a little it, bit of fan service. Well, I think that it is appropriate to some degree. I really do. And uh, obviously, I enjoyed those parts of it in large measure. But I just think that it could have it could have been a little bit more than all the nostalgia that it was. Right. And that so again, like I've like I've said before, I am really still processing this movie. So I may I may come back later and say, well, wait. Now, upon further thought, yada yada yada, I don't know about that anymore. But that's the way I feel right now. We're just now. gonna have to do a second. We're, this will be our uh, reaction. Yeah, this will be our reaction, and then we'll have to do a follow up. <laughs> we'll do a follow up review episode. Yeah. <laughs> After I've uh, studied it for ten years and uh, read every single yeah. uh, film analysis. No, I mean. Um, yeah. But, After the next trilogy wraps but up, we'll currently come back to this that one. is. I'm not suggesting that I have like the answer to how they could have done that right now. I'm just saying that I do feel like the movie was really heavy on nostalgia, and I think that it could have gone a mm. little bit deeper than just having all the nostalgia. But that said, I really enjoyed that moment with Luke. Yeah, I think they also they also handled Leia really well. As well as they could have, given what they had to work with. With what they had, yeah. They did they gave yeah. her a lot of scenes and it didn't feel like it was pieced yeah. together and stuff. I just want to share one last thing about Luke, uh, unless you have any uh, further comments about him. Which is no, go for it. there was um there was so Ryan Johnson responded to a tweet uh, on Twitter that I found to be really interesting and actually lines up with the way that I feel and think about the character these days. So there was a Star Wars fan and he shared some thoughts online about how Ryan quote completely destroys the character of Luke Skywalker and almost derailed the franchise end quote. Uh, he mm. then went on to thank J.J. Abrams for quote cleaning up Johnson's mess end quote. So nice. I, I I don't like those kind of criticisms because when you say like, ah, it ruined my childhood, it ruined the whole franchise, in the immortal words of the dude, that's just like your opinion, man. That's just like your opinion, man. And don't, you know, deign to speak for every single person in the fandom. I mean, I know a lot of people do feel that way, but there's a heck of a lot of people that feel uh, otherwise. But anyways, Ryan's response, I think, was perfect. And he, he wrote, uh, Gil... I understand that point of view, but I completely disagree with it. In fact, I think it, meaning that take on it, disrespects the character of Luke by treating him not as the true mythic hero overcoming recurring wounds and flaws, but as a video game character who has achieved a binary permanent power-up. And I think thinking about it that way makes all the sense in the world to me. I'm sure a lot of people do disagree, but... I see Luke as fundamentally a person. Yes, he is a heroic, yeah. powerful, amazing person who ha- who has been through so much in his life and done so much. But he is a human being. And he never asked for it. He never wanted it. He was yeah, never out exactly. for the fame and glory. He just wants to sit at home on his moisture farm and drink blue milk. 
<laughs> well, no, I mean he he wants it to makes, do makes good sweet love. in the galaxy. But look, I think that it makes him more heroic that he has these wounds and flaws to overcome and that he does so, right? It would be far less interesting to me if he, you know, after Return of the Jedi, trained a bunch of Jedis and remained like the super powerful Jedi, you know, king or master or whatever and never had any flaws and never did anything wrong. And every time he stepped into a room, enemies either, you know, melted before him or fled in terror. That's not nearly as interesting to me as a guy who uh, has tons of expectations. He makes, uh, you know, one mistake and is paying for it for a long time until finally, you know, he's able to forgive himself and he actually grows from it and makes things right. Like, that's way more interesting to me. Right, exactly. Yeah, and he's not like some military guy that's like, I'm just in it for the guts and glory and I'm just going to be here at the forefront of the front lines and I want to be a general someday. He, he yeah. would step up and do what was needed to be done, but that was never his drive, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that you know, he sort of. he came to the calling because he knew that it had to be done, not because yeah. he sought fame and glory and power and all of that stuff. And that's actually a big difference between I think him and Anakin. You know, whereas Anakin, at some point after the Phantom Menace, you know, he was made to understand that he was very special in some way and that he was, you know, more powerful than anybody in the Force. And so then from Attack of the Clones on, he's talking about how he's going to be the most powerful Jedi ever and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And it feels more like ego to me than uh, Luke, you know, Luke's approach. And so I I find that interesting. But you you went on to mention uh, Leia, right? And that you were happy Mm -hmm. with how they treated Leia also. Well, that made me think, I'm really happy. I liked it that Leia was actually the person training Rey. Right. I mean, we learned later that Leia actually went through her entire Jedi training. She just opted to, like, not really be a Jedi because she had a very disturbing vision. But she was trained. Yeah. She knew, you know, how to control her Force powers and all this stuff, and she... And she was the one that was training Rey, and I I found that to be pretty satisfying, actually. She's she's a character that really had a lot of potential, and for various reasons, we're not gonna ever figure them out unless they want to do like a like a prequel show about her. Well, or I, I something just like that, but I think that may be a little too much with the Skywalkers. I th- I think it is, and I also think that you know they're trying to be really respectful of Carrie Fisher's you know memory, and you know mm-hmm. not put her you know retroactively digitally into things there's definitely a lot of ethical concerns there and it also goes to you know her uh next of kin and you know them like maybe not getting any money for a performance of their you know mother or grandmother who's now actually dead but they're using anyway blah 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 there's a lot of ethical concerns but i do feel like they probably would have done more with leia if carrie fisher had had not passed uh, by this right. point, but I am impressed what they were able to get out of her performance, given you know the the constraints that they were working with. And, yeah. and how cool is it that Leia had a lightsaber, and Luke was like, "Here, she yeah. wanted you to have this." Oh man, that was yeah, that was that was amazing. And that was very integral in the end, where she was uh, up against Palpatine, and then uh, yeah. Kylo Ren swoops in to help out. Yeah, no, that's its its own whole thing. Do we but... want to talk about that yet? Well, or let's we got more stuff to. Well, let's finish with Leia because if we're if we're going to talk about Leia, we have to talk about 
the decision she made and what she did at the end, which really ultimately allowed our heroes to to win, I, I think, in the end. And I have heard, uh, you know, a lot of people saying stuff like that was confusing, it didn't make sense, that was stupid. But if you think about it in terms of the story, okay, so so Luke revealed that she went through all of her tra- her Jedi training, but then she... Uh, mm-hmm. didn't want to go da- any further down the path of Jedi because she had a vision that her son was going to be killed by all of that stuff, right? right. And so she knew that her son was going to die. And she still loved him. It's her son, right? Right. And so she made— Any good mother should. Yeah, so she made this decision. She was like, okay, I want to, A, help my son, but what I really need to do, too, is make sure that he doesn't stop— you know, the resistance from defeating the bad guys, you know, the final order. And so what does she do? She uses all the force energy that she has in a similar way that Luke did, Mm -hmm. which killed him, by the way, where she projected herself to him from really far away. And she basically, in doing that, A, she first got Kylo's attention, but then when the act of doing that actually killed her, that got his attention even more, distracted him even more, which allowed Ray to win. And the way that Ray then handled her success by healing him so that he wouldn't die, that was the transformative moment for him, which turned him all the way back to the light side, as much as he could come back to the light side at that point. Uh, he th- well, just tip the tip the scales because he's always yes. been kind of waffler. It tipped the scales, and then here's here's something that I haven't seen a lot of conversation about, and I really want your thoughts on this. So, if you notice, when Kylo does die at the end, okay, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that when we talk about Kylo in the end, but like when he does he does die at the end, you notice he does he does vanish. In the way that, you know, Jedi vanish when they become one with the Force and become a Force ghost. And it's not until then that Leia's body vanishes. Because until that that moment, her body was still under that sheet at the Resistance base. And so on the surface, I think that that can be a little confusing. It's like, well, why did she not vanish until then? My interpretation is... Because the Sith can't become Force ghosts, correct? Well, they can't. But Kylo Ren, well, Ben did not die a Sith. He died fighting for the light side. But, you know, it right. was established at the end of Revenge of the Sith by Yoda and that conversation between Yoda and Obi-Wan that in order to become a Force ghost, you need to you need to do some training. You need to acquire a skill to do that, basically, right? So right. I don't think he had done that training. So my interpretation of that whole thing is that Leia held off going to the other side until her son died as she knew was going to happen and she basically helped him do that and that's why they both vanish at she the same time even though she died like, kind of brought him along with her yes that is what i think happened hmm. um, that's the way i interpret it anyways yeah I was, I was curious about that too because you know he did he did uh finally come to the light as they say mm-hmm. and help in the final battle, but I, I, I was just under the impression that to disappear like that, like we had talked about before, it requires lots of training and stuff. And I didn't mm-hmm. know that he would have training in how to become a force ghost. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, I was a little confused about it. 
I didn't get myself. it. The, I did not get that my first viewing either. It was only after I saw it the second time and I was thinking about it more. I was like, you know what? Because it's no coincidence that she vanishes at the same time as he does. You know, there's no right. there's no possible way that is a coincidence. Once I went through that thought process and like actually had an interpretation for that, I do I do like it, and I I you know he he really did redeem himself at the end. So so should we talk about Kylo and his journey now? Um, yeah, let's talk about that. Or should we go back and talk about? There's more to the movie. We haven't really talked about the movie much at all. What do you want to talk about? I mean, it's up to you. Go for it. Just a couple things. Um, what was Finn gonna tell Ray? Finn was gonna tell Ray that he feels the Force, that he is Force sensitive. That's it. And that's it. There was an interview with J.J. Abrams where he did confirm that. And it makes sense. I mean, they clearly okay. established that Finn had force sensitivity in this movie, which yeah, I was—he was wielding the lightsaber and stuff. Well, you know, he ever since he wielded the lightsaber in that uh, in Episode Seven, Force Awakens, I did nurture this secret hope that you know he would turn out to be force sensitive. <laughs> you know, yeah. And I think a lot of people probably felt the same way. And it just so happens that in the movie they revealed that is the case. And that that made me happy, you know? I really, I really enjoyed that. And it and it's part of what, to me, kind of like gives the story more fodder to continue at some point in the future. Yeah, I just don't know why they would make a point of him trying to tell her something. And then everyone else saying, like, what were you going to tell her? Or she's like, what were you going to tell me? He's like, I'll tell you later. And then they don't come back to it in the movie. That that felt kind of weird to me. And when we walked out of the theater, I saw it with my daughter. She's like, what was Finn going to say? Yeah, like, I, I, I think, I, I don't think it was odd in the sense that he blurted it out in the moment before he thought he was going to die, <laughs> They were that they were both going to die. Like, right. that didn't seem odd. But you would expect in a, in a you know, uh, in in a movie in general, I mean, from for a them writing to... and story standpoint, they should have put that in there. Well, and I don't know why they didn't. My guess is is because they thought that a it wasn't more important than everything else that was happening, and b that's something that you can figure out without too much trouble. It didn't. I, it wasn't hard for me to figure out. Um, I understand that you know if the movie doesn't spoon feed something to you then you might be guessing as to what the answer is but in right. my in my opinion yeah like i said i yeah you said you had watched all the movies prior you know in the build up to this movie i hadn't done that mm -hmm. so i don't know was he trying was he like waiting to tell her this for since the last uh chapter of the trilogy i i couldn't remember but like my daughter and the average viewer was probably going wait what's going on here but also they could have ended the movie when they're you know, celebrating there in the forest, mm -hmm. and then they go up and have their weird uh, triple hug where Ray and Poe are holding hands. I mean, that would have been the perfect time for that to be said. It's you I know, thought. it's also possible that they wrote or even filmed that part of the movie, but then, cut, but then when it, it but then when it happens, it just didn't feel right. Like it felt like too on the nose, or it was like seemed unnecessary, yeah. or something like that. So, well, then they should have cut out the prior scenes too. It's hard to know because they made an issue of it. Yeah, it's hard to know. So I, you know, I expect that to be a point that's debated ad nauseum forever and ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have an easy answer, but uh, but personally, it it didn't confound me for very long. 
Right. Next, what about C-3PO? With his red eyes, remember we, so, we weren't yeah, sure what right. was going to happen with so him. So first of all, you said uh, in our in our theories episode that you thought that C three PO would sacrifice himself for his friends, and that's exactly what he did. Yep. And honestly, I really enjoyed memory wiped C three PO because of the fact that it felt <laughs> yeah, it, so it, it, it felt it was funny, <laughs> but it also felt like more classic C three PO in a sense. You know, right? <laughs> it definitely did, and uh, and I'm actually a little. It's like twenty minutes later, they mention one person. Oh, that's one of my oldest friends. <laughs> right, <that's> right. <laughs> and you know, I actually was thinking when R2 restored his memory, I kind of wished in that moment that he hadn't and that he had stayed like memory wiped C-3PO. Um, yeah, it would have been interesting. I mean, it would have been a little bit, it would have been kind of tragic, but again, this was another way that the movie, wow, it's like, now that I'm thinking about it, like that and the time when they faked out Chewie's death are like times when they right. deflated the stakes. Uh, and I, and I, that I don't appreciate. I mean, it 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 feels good as a fan to like have you know C three PO's memories back because you love C three PO. But like at the same time, like those are sacrifices that it's the like, characters don't, made. Don't that worry now if they'll... you die, you'll don't worry if you die, you'll just respawn at the last checkpoint. Yeah, it's like it's you like know? okay, and you can have unlimited lives. Well, it's yeah, it's like you know characters make sacrifices that aren't really sacrifices. Um, Right. So I, I don't know. So, I mean, again, overall, I really enjoyed the movie. But, you know, now that I'm nitpicking and thinking about it, like, those are two things that I wish they would have handled maybe a little bit differently. Yeah. I did like Baba Freak. He was awesome. The little Baba, Baba, Baba Freak. Freak. <laughs> yeah. And then well, I love it when he shows up at the end in the cockpit where he's like, oh, you made it. And he's yeah. like, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everyone cheered in the theater for that. That was pretty and, cool. And uh, what was the girl's name? I'm sure we're going to be the seeing more of her. Uh, Carrie Russell. Yeah, because you don't introduce someone Zori. in the end of the... Uh... Yeah, don't Sorry. introduce someone in the end of a trilogy if you're not going to do anything with her. No, I so think I'm they sure did. We'll I think they did her. enough with her. Well, I mean, if there's another movie concerning these characters, we could possibly see her. Or, you know, but I I like uh, when they throw in like these extra supporting characters, and I thought it was so funny at the end when is like at the very end when Poe is he, he like gives her a look and she just like shakes her head. He gives her like the smoldering, yeah. like romantic look, like sexy Poe or whatever, and then she just shakes her head, yeah. and he's like, "All right, all right, <laughs> yeah, whatever." <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah, let's see who else haven't we covered. You know what, Rose? I am disappointed with how they handled her in the sense that. Yeah, they didn't do shit with her. Uh, she they gave her two lines. Well, she was a very interesting character from the previous movie. I know a lot of people disagree with that. Um. Uh-huh. I so I understand that people some people didn't like her character but like she was a big character in the previous movie and the way that she was dealt with felt like very dismissive to me because she had like two lines right. and first of all I don't think that they should have focused on her like a lot because they really needed to wrap off stuff with the major characters so in that sense I get it but I feel like she should have been given a more important role for the limited screen time that had she a, had yeah she could have had a bigger part in that last battle well, like everybody else that was the, uh, like rema- yeah like everybody else that was remaining from you know who survived the battle of crate and was the core of the resistance like became freaking generals yeah. and like she was still like a mechanic the og crew <laughs> i don't know yeah 
I don't know. I just would have liked to see a little bit more from Rose. I, I mean, I don't think that she, I don't, I think that they handled it correctly in the sense that they needed to focus on the main characters, but it's like a string that they left loose. You know, it was like, they right. kind of, you know, like what's the point in building it up if it's just going to fizzle? Like they put Don, Dominic Monaghan in there, you know, who was in Lord of the Rings and lost. And I thought that was right. awesome. And I love that they brought him in, but like, was doing that more important than, you know, doing stuff with characters that were already established? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, his character did nothing that a standby character extra could not have done. You know. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, I guess he didn't really do much, and Rose did have a more. All he did was stand there in front of a computer and then walk across the room and and say words well you know he did, actually he really i thought didn't do much. actually i thought he brought a lot to the few lines that he had like i'm not going to get deep into like the story crafting of it but i like that he was there i just really wonder about the choices they made with roses all i i don't have the i don't have the answer yeah but uh what, what else do you want to talk I, about? I liked the i like the other little new droid oh yeah very polite cone face his name is no, no, dio i think his no, name is dio yeah dio, yeah <laughs> that was hilarious when she goes to pet him and he goes no thank you <laughs> that got a big laugh they got a big laugh in the movie yeah. theater um, and then the horse the horse like, he's like oh no thank you <laughs> yeah yeah that was an interesting little it was just droid. a fun little thing and um and bb8 mm-hmm. they really i mean aside from the training scene in the beginning with uh ray he was just kind of no. I thought BB-8 he was fine. Just milling around doing no, was, something. I think yeah. they did fine by BB-8. Like what? Do you, so what? Do you, okay. Yeah. So maybe should we talk about Ray and and then uh, Kylo or Kylo and then Ray? Yeah. Okay. Let's do Ray and Kylo. Okay. So first of all, I mean Ray is obviously the like, the main character. If there's one main character, I mean she fulfills the Luke role, you know, in this trilogy. Right. And so how did you feel about how her past was revealed and what her her past was in terms of it being, you know, she was the granddaughter of Palpatine, which you totally called. And by the way, you know, in my theories, right. I was all focused on that clone theory, <laughs> which Snoke ended up being kind of a clone or some no. kind of thing. Yeah, but, I see him floating in the little tank. There are like three of them. Yeah, that actually made uh, sense no, to I me. Mean, that given... was a valid theory because, oh, it made sense to me too. I just thought it'd be, I don't know, that'd be a well, little too much to add in. And, and Palpatine was, you know, working on rejuvenation. He just did it in a different way. And there was the whole right. thing about where he said if she kills him, then he his spirit goes into her. So that was correct. It just, it was not the case that she was herself a clone. And that, um, that moment from the trailer where we see Dark Ray, she was basically a vision, which was mm-hmm. one of the possibilities that I laid out, but Yeah. And I thought maybe if he wasn't a cloning and he could, you know, put his soul in another vessel slash body, I thought Dark Ray would be Palpatine in Ray's body. Well, you know, it turns out that but... the way the I guess it feel it does feel very Sith though, that like when you strike down your master his spirit flows into you and gets to live on. And that was one of the secret, you know, force abilities that he learned from his master, Darth Plagueis. Like that all fits, I think, you know, and that's how he's able to be alive now. And he even had that line where he said, I've died many times. So so that all made sense to me. But in terms of question, yeah, the question was about how I felt about the reveal. Um, Mm -hmm. It was just kind of, 
you know, Kylo spat it out when they were, you know, dueling. They were already in a stressful situation. And he's just like, blah, 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 you're Palpatine. You're Palpatine's granddaughter. And she was like, what? And then, you know, three seconds later, the story continues as if it never happened. There wasn't really much of a reaction from Rey. I mean, her Oh, I don't agree with that. Her face for about five seconds. I don't agree with that at all. No. All right. Yeah, I think she freaked out. Well, she freaked out after that. And it was not long after that that she um so wait that was when that was when they went to unlock uh, c-3po's memory right and then they went to get the uh the MacGuffin, the uh the wayfinder from the death star crash site uh in the endor system yeah and then it was after that that she went and hid and then she used the force lightning and then she went to go hide on luke's island so i think it was a very logical progression okay. for her so first she gets that revelation um, it's it's disturbing. You see it in her face. She then you know continues with her quest because what else is she gonna do? She then finds herself making like a like slipping towards the dark side accidentally when she destroys that and she thinks she kills Chewie. Then she steals his right. ship and goes to hide on the island when Luke you know then Luke gives her a, a talking to and sets her straight. So I think that that was all quite you know a believable series of emotional steps for her. Yeah. I guess also, too, it's like no one else, was it revealed to everyone? Because no one else really had much of a reaction. The only people that knew, I think, were uh, Kylo, because Palpatine told him, like, in the first scene of the movie. Right. And Leia knew and Luke knew. Because, remember, Luke tells her that Leia yeah. sensed it. And that's why Leia told her, don't ever be afraid of who you are. Yeah, because she knew long before, and she still mm-hmm. stuck with Rey because she sensed who Ray really was. Exactly, exactly. As a person. I remember talking uh, in previous episodes, like in our theories about how, like, I didn't want her to be a Palpatine because I don't like this sense that, like, to be a hero, you have to be a part of this, you know, special dynasty or right. bloodline. Yeah. But I f- don't feel like that's what the movie dwelled on. There is definitely a sense that, like, your power in the Force is, like, hereditary. But it also did show us that Finn was Force-sensitive. It also showed us at the end of The Last Jedi that there was, like, other people out there, like, random people, that, like, random kid, you know, at the end who was Force-sensitive and he used the Force on the broom or whatever. So I, I think the movie's... Right, and I I remember I made the comment that he's The Last Jedi, and you laughed oh, yeah. in my face. But, you know, I I like that the movies have shown us that other people can be force users and in a way at least the way this movie happened i wasn't as so worried about the dynasty bloodline problem as i expected i might be because it seemed like it focused more on like the concept of family than saying oh well you have to have a special you know ancestry in order to be special like it felt more like a thing about family to me particularly with how it ended at the very end with ray right and that's also i think that was a good uh call out to modern political issues we have going on in the world today because mm-hmm. it dealt with how ray identifies so you know that can work into all that too because she identified in the end as a skywalker even though she came from scum yeah but Luke and Leia were basically her 
family because they were the ones who took her in and trained her they, regardless yeah. of who she was, even though they knew who she was. And she was progeny of their most vile, hated, biggest, most powerful enemy. But like at the same time, they saw who she really was and it wasn't... You know, right. to to their credit and to the credit of the filmmakers, like it wasn't a situation where they were like, oh, well, suddenly we are wary of you and scared of you because you're a Palpatine. It wasn't about that. Mm-hmm. And I think there was some line to the effect of, you know, you're not, I don't even remember the line, but I thought they said something like, you know, your parents or your family doesn't define who you are. You know, something like that. But right. that was the sense that I got from it. I really liked that moment when Ray decided to take on the Skywalker name. Like, yeah. I, you know, if I would have heard about that scene before seeing the movie, I feel like I might have thought it was, like, super cheesy and maybe I would have hated it. But for whatever reason, you know, maybe it was just that the rest of the movie just earned that moment. But it felt appropriate to me. You know, she was, in that sense, deciding her fate, not based on who her grandfather was, but based on who she wanted to be. And to me, the way they handled that whole thing transcended the concerns that I had about, you know, Star Wars having a message of you have to be, you have to have a special bloodline to be special. That's kind of how I came down on that. So I, I really enjoyed that. And I don't... I don't mind at all that Ray ended up being a Palpatine. And I think that, you know, the, the way they constructed that worked for me. And uh, our listeners wouldn't know this, but shortly after we recorded our theories episode, I actually gave you a call, if you remember, and I was like, you know what? Now that I think about mm-hmm. it more, I'm coming down more on the side of your theory where she's the granddaughter of Palpatine. Do you right. remember that? Because oh, yeah. I think... Because it, it just reinforced me being right, which I always am. <laughs> yes, yes, obviously. Always. But but I think <laughs> that also with her being a Palpatine, it gives an interesting symmetry to the story, right? Because on one hand, right. you know, the way it starts is Anakin, and then he has kids, uh, and then they've become, you know, pivotal in this struggle of good versus evil, empire versus rebellion, you know, in this saga, and, you know, now you have, you still have the Skywalkers facing off against the Palpatines, but it is the next generation. And just something, something about that felt like not only were they coming full circle, but there was, there was this symmetry in it. And I'm sure that's by design. Yeah. And so did, so here's a question that I had for you, because I certainly have some thoughts about it. And it plays into this notion of the family, these families, right? Like. Did Rise of Skywalker make you think more about the prophecy and the whole concept of bringing balance to the Force and what that all means? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, it did not. Um, Okay, fair enough. Yeah, as far as the prophecy, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I really like how it played out. How she was trying. They were trying to recruit her to the dark side, and she kept resisting it. And kept resisting it. And there was a, a minute, you know, my daughter, she really, really wanted Ray to go bad. Ah. And uh, she was kind of disappointed when she uh, did stand up to Palpatine at the end, her poppy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it really didn't, 
I didn't get much of the prophecy being relayed in this movie. They didn't really talk about it much. Uh-huh. So maybe you were right and that whole prophecy did kind of end with the Luke Anakin thing in the earlier You know, uh, uh, what it made me think was, so first of all, that scene, that climactic scene where Rey is fighting Palpatine, and then for a little while she's just laying on the floor, and she's yeah. she's trying to get in contact with the Force ghosts of previous Jedi, like like she was trying to. Right, the beginning that's what we saw her movie. doing in the her first her introduction to the movie. Yeah, yeah, and so, but then when they all come to her and you hear the voiceovers, like it's like mm-hmm. it's Obi Wan, it's Yoda, it's uh, it's Luke, it's everybody. It's even there was even a voice in there that I swear was Ahsoka uh, Tano yeah. from uh, the Clone Wars and other things that she was uh, Anakin's Padawan for a while. I swear that that was her. Uh, the same, oh, okay. It seemed like the Probably. same voice. Voice, anyways. Uh, point being, you heard Anakin in there, and what he said to Ray was, "Right, something like bring balance to the Force, as I did." And so I was like, "Wait a minute." Well, he did bring balance to the Force, but then Luke had to bring balance to the Force again, and now she has to bring balance to the Force again because if you think about it, the way Anakin brought balance to the Force was by destroying the Jedi. Because, right. like, a thousand years before that, the Jedi had slaughtered all of the Sith. And there was only, mm-hmm. like, one left, and then there were two, and then there was only two up until up until then. So by going to the dark side, that's actually the balance that was missing, right? The light was dominating. The Jedi were at the height of their power and becoming, you know— more bureaucratic and you know who knows what failings they had at that at that time but that's how he brought balance to the force then the empire rises right the palpatine's empire rises and then the force goes too far to the dark side so then luke comes and between him and vader they bring balance to the force again so vader was also act you know anakin was actively involved in doing it again so i think he definitely was the chosen one then there was balance for a little while, and you know maybe Luke made some mistakes or whatever it happened. But the First Order rose up again, and Palpatine was in the background, creating more Sith, creating a new fleet for a new Empire, the Final Order. So balance needed to come to it again. So you know maybe maybe it's a cyclical thing in the galaxy, right? Where you know there's balance yeah. for a time, and then there's imbalance, and then it and then it's corrected, and then there's history repeats itself. Yeah. So I I just found that to be interesting, and it. It was literally just the moment when Anakin spoke in that voiceover that made me go through that whole thought process. Right. And uh, it was it was cool. Did we cover Kylo already? No, let's, let's cover Kylo. Still, I think, one of the most compelling characters of this entire trilogy, honestly. And right. you know what? I have to say that for all the problems people have with Last Jedi, I think that that movie is, is really what made Kylo interesting to me. Because uh, yeah. before then, he wore the mask, he was powerful, he seemed a little childish. You know, there were some interesting things there because, you know, he was Ben Solo, so he was the daughter of Han Solo and Leia, and he killed his father, and that was a big moment, and that made him more interesting. But on the other hand, other than that, he was not the most compelling character for me in those movies. I was very much interested in, like, Ray and Finn in that first movie. Yeah. And it wasn't until everything that happened with him in The Last Jedi, with him, you know, force connecting with Rey and reaching out to her, and then he, you know, betrayed Snoke and all that. And, like, Adam Driver's performance was amazing. Oh, 
Yeah, he did a fantastic job. And he brought so much vulnerability to this, like, villainous role. Uh, And anyways... Yeah, he's so caught up in the struggles within himself. Mm -hmm. Most of him fighting in this movie was not against other people. It was against himself. Absolutely. You know, he's always been, like, back and forth with himself. And that's what makes him compelling to me. Because it also shows that he is also human. But that's because he wasn't born and bred of pure evil. Right, right. <laughs> like Palpatine. But, I, but uh I, I mean, I I was fascinated with his, his journey and how it ended because, you know, he the very first scene of the movie is him finding uh uh Exegol and Palpatine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, despite the fact that he planned to betray Palpatine, he still A played into Palpatine's hands <laughs> and B you know, he was right. still very firmly uh, entrenched in the dark side, even though he was conflicted uh, at that point. Yeah. And I thought it was so interesting that the other thing was, too, I think that even when he was having those conflicted moments, he did feel like it was too late for him. You know, so he right. was just digging in his heels like this, you know, this is what I got to do. And I was I was just so fascinated with. He got hit with a du- like a double or a triple or a quadruple whammy in that fight with Ray because a she's trying to get through to him, and I think that she had some lines that really hit him hard. But when a his mother dies and he feels that through the force that hits him hard, and b she kills him, Ray kills him. I mean he did he hadn't died right. yet, but there's no way that five minutes later he was still alive after that wound, yeah. right? And so when she heals him, that's like the type of thing that, you know, a Sith can't even imagine happening. And whereas... Yeah, she, she paused for a minute before she did it, too. And mm-hmm. she's like, uh, but I got to. Because that shows her character. That's who she is. You know, she's, you know? Always, she's, she's her, but her scales are always going to tip towards the mm-hmm. light side. And, that, and in that moment, after she heals him, and he's kind of like, holy, you know... Wow, in that moment... Yeah, he was shocked. He was shocked. And then she says to him, you know, I did want to take your hand. Ben's hand. Ben's hand, so yeah. In that, that was a good In line. that, like, five minutes of his life, that not only turned him around and made him renounce the dark side, but I believed it. You know, it wasn't right. like she gave him an inspirational speech or something and suddenly he was like, oh, okay, well, I'm on the light side now. That I would not have believed. You know what I mean? And that's the thing, too, like we mentioned earlier, we're glad that they never got real kissy-kissy, you know, like, throughout the the films. Um, But they always had that, there was almost that, like, desire. Like, if these two didn't have all this other bullshit to deal with, like, I don't know, the end of the world and fucking everyone dying, then they probably could have had a relationship together. And I think they both, a part of them wanted that they wanted that connection they just, and they both had a lot of connection yeah. on many different levels yeah. but with with all this stuff going on it separated them so that's why they always kind of were always well you're kind of my ride or die it was, so i i really like the chemistry when needed yeah I, the chemistry they had was amazing and i like how it turned into this thing where when he's trying to catch her when they tried to save chewy on that uh on that imperial ship you know, it looks like she's backed into a corner, and he and he says, um, "We're a dyad in the Force," 
Uh, and he said that Palpatine doesn't know that. Of of course, Palpatine did know that, and that was his. Pl- that seems like that right. was his plan all along. But like they had this crazy connection, not just a personal connection, but like a connection in the Force, right? And so I felt that that did drive a lot of what was going on, and I really enjoyed that part of it. So that finally, and it was interesting that like the new Force things they established to where they could. You know, when they could see these projections of each other, but now they take it a step further and it's like he grabbed that necklace off of her. And then when they were Mm -hmm. fighting and things were smashing, they were like spilling out into their, you know, the other locations. Um, And then it turns out. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And then it turns out, you know, that uh, she gives him that lightsaber and pulls out the second one. And of course, since it was uh, it was two blue lightsabers and it matched, I thought that was really cool. Mm hmm. I, I don't know. I just I guess I like how they, they handled that and I felt that their relationship was so important to the story. And then of course, since we're talking about Kylo and Ben, you know, he, he does go off that ledge and it does make total sense to me that he sacrificed himself to save her life at the end. When he made that right. decision, you know, that is what redeemed him. I mean, yes, he was in the process of redeeming himself by, you know, turning on Palpatine and coming to help her, but like to give up his life for her, that's a big deal. And that was, you know, the the real big decision that he made that redeemed him. And I think that he had a great redemption story in this movie. I mean, throughout the this yeah, last trilogy, did. but I was very satisfied with it. I mean, what are your thoughts about Kylo and his redemption? I nicknamed him... In our the last episode we recorded, which is not the last one you heard, um, I named him Darth Emo. Right, Darth Emo. <laughs> you know, because he's always he's always at odds with himself, and he could never really, you know, truly commit to either side fully because he's always got this other side. He's like a Gemini, you know. <laughs> he's always at war with himself mm-hmm. inside, and he's got two different personalities, and he's I don't know if it's bipolar disorder or whatever. But he needs to get on some meds. But he can't now that he's dead. But uh, mm. no, I thought his redemption story was very well documented. And especially in, with his connection to Ray and his own father. Mm-hmm. You know, he, 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 he came to terms with Yeah, what that. did you think about Han Solo showing up as that memory in that moment? I was like, is that a force ghost? What's, what's going on? Uh, and then it's, you know, it's just him, like, imagining it. Yeah. But... I thought it was it was all right, you know. It it, mm-hmm. it could have been something that could have been done maybe even through, like just a disembodied voice, well, or something. I I mean, if I I think what it was is they had to find a way to show what was going on inside of him in terms of the fact that he he was making this decision to renounce the dark side and change his ways and come back home, you know, so to speak. So. Yeah, I didn't mind it. Like it, even with like a flashback to when he killed Han on the bridge, you know, with a flashback to that with a voiceover. I think the flashback would have been, been cool. I, I don't, don't know. know. I think the f- uh, flashback would have been maybe more confusing. I just, I guess, when I first saw Han Solo, I kind of had the sigh like, oh, geez, what are they doing? But then when it when it turned out to be a memory, and it just kind of was a way to, you know, it was a way for Ka- for Ka- for Ben that character to relive that moment and do kind of what he wished he would have done and i thought it was a cool way to bring back you know harrison ford i don't know i mean i I have kind of mixed feelings about it i understand what it was doing for the story 
Um, I think ultimately, yeah. I don't mind it. Um, it wasn't a moment for me where I cried at the sight of seeing, you know, Han Solo. But I no. think... It's like when he said, hey, kid, I was like, <laughs> uh, But on the other hand... Who's that? And then they showed up. I don't Han. know. I, I think it's fine. I don't have any problems with it. I think it's fine. So... Yeah, it was, it was fine overall. And then he throws his uh, awesome lightsaber into the sea. It's also kind of hitting... It's like also hitting that theme of family uh, that I think this film was very right. focused on. But so with all that said about Kylo, I mean, do you want to say anything more about him um, or can we? Yeah, we can okay. move on. So let's just say a couple uh, final words about the other characters, I specifically like Poe and Finn uh, before we move on to final thoughts. So, I mean, I thought I, I've already talked about Finn a little bit. I really like that they showed that he was force sensitive. Um, I think that he played mm -hmm. a pivotal role in kind of supporting Ray and keeping like he really did use the force to keep the resistance on track with with what was going on in the main plot. And like because he was kind of this through this connection with Ray that he had, he was able to say, wait, no, that signal from Luke's ship, we have to follow it because that's Ray leading us to the place where we need to go, you know, and stuff like that. I thought that he was... Yeah, that was a cool Yeah, I, I really like the role that Finn took on in this movie. I, you know, maybe would have liked to see a, a mm -hmm. little tiny bit more of Finn, uh, but I was pretty happy with it. And then Poe, I thought, has maybe grown... Um, Poe has grown a lot over the course of these movies. Yeah. And I think that The Last Jedi was the crucible in which he was able to figure himself out and turn into the hero that he was in this movie. And, and yeah. you know, but he still even had some more growing left to do because there is that scene on the planet in the Endor system when they're getting ready to go uh, to the Death Star wreckage where he's fighting with Finn and he says, well, I'm not General Organa. And uh, Finn says, you know, damn right you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> you know, or something like that. Yeah. And then there's that shot of him standing alone on the hill with the crashed Millennium Falcon in the background. And I thought that was like the perfect image mm -hmm. for where that character was in that moment. <laughs> and it was in and i was thinking i didn't catch it i didn't catch it the first time why did they land the falcon like that because they mentioned in the scene previous that the landing gear was broken right and every time the falcon has landed in the past it comes up and then slowly lowers vertically down to the ground why would you land it in a slip and slide you know, like, we just got to run into the planet and hopefully it'll stop us. Why couldn't you just slow down? Because they were in a hurry, slowly I guess. bring it... I They're guess. In a hurry, no that landing just made gear. No sense. It's like, I don't it doesn't know. matter that you don't have those legs sticking out. You still land the same well, way. You don't... Well, bottom of the helicopter's gone. Might as well just drive it in Well, the you ocean. know, what's-her-face uh, that they met? <laughs> uh, was it Jana? Gave him shit for it. So <laughs> it wasn't like they didn't address yeah. it in the movie. She was like... Yeah. I've seen so. better. I've seen worse. And she was a cool character, too, and I like how she... Was kind of, you know, the interesting thing, and this was part of uh, the way they were developing Finn, in my opinion, was the fact that she believed in him so much. Not only was that a connection because she and her entire group of people were like stormtroopers that, that deserted. I thought that was really cool. Right. But also I felt like Finn was himself becoming an inspirational like right. figure by virtue of, you know, everything that he's become over the course of like this journey of these films but like also there was something about the fact that he was force sensitive that i think made her believe in him more too in a, in a way yeah well he's always been just a faceless clone basically and never never been appreciated probably the same with her yeah 
you know, so now they've finally escaped, on, you know, the control of the new order and their first order. And uh, now they're out in the world. They can actually figure out who they are. And it's like a yeah. coming of age. Well, it is. For them. It is, yeah. And anyway, I just, I just, I like her character. Um, obviously, she was a, you know, a, had a less of a role than the other major characters. But I like that she was right. there. And I, I think it played into, to, she played into Poe's journey a bit. And uh, yeah. I, I like that part of it. So, so what are your final thoughts about Rise of Skywalker right now? Final thoughts about Rise of Skywalker. Um, I'm gonna gonna have to watch it again. I wanna, you know, the first time it's all brand new and you really don't absorb much. The second time, I ate too much sushi and had a muscle muscle relaxer, <laughs> so I wasn't totally focused. But no, it's definitely one I'm gonna get when it comes out on Blu-ray. It's a ton of fun, and even though there was a couple minor things that I didn't feel sat right with me. Mm-hmm. Overall, I felt they did a good job of bringing it all together, ending the storyline of the Skywalkers, the saga. Mm-hmm. Because it has been going on a long time. And now we also have shows like The Mandalorian. And we're going to get, uh, I guess there's a Kenobi show coming yeah. out they're working on. And all, all sorts of new stuff going on, which is going to give us more Star Wars. And I think it's time the Skywalkers have had enough Let's put them to rest and expand the universe a bit more. But overall, Mm -hmm. I thought it was a good movie, and I don't mind paying to see it in theaters twice. My final thoughts are, I mean, I think I feel similar to you in that I really did enjoy the movie. I liked it. You know, and while I may wish that it had gone deeper in certain respects, I think that it did address everything it needed to address for the conclusion of this trilogy of trilogies. You know, I think yeah. I fa- I think it found literally our whole lives. Yeah, yeah. I think it found a pretty effective way to answer the questions that needed answering, to you know wrap everything up in in a certain way that felt very true to the the Star Wars saga. You know, mm-hmm. again, I have some little quibbles with it, but overall, I you know I did really enjoy it, and I did get goosebumps a couple times, and I do also like how. You know, even though it was a clear conclusion, it also left the door open to, you know, coming back to these characters and, you know, these places in the galaxy far, far away that we love so much. You know, with Rey burying those two lightsabers in the sand at Tatooine on the old, you know, Skywalker uh, moisture farm. You know, the fact that now Finn is force sensitive and he's probably going to need training. And who's going to do that? Probably Rey. Like... You know, what's Ray going to do now? What's, you know, what's everybody going to do? So I, you know, I think there's some room there. I would be happy if, you know, if they are going to pick up again with these characters, I hope they give it a rest for like, at least like three years, at least three years, personally. Well, I think they, they really set themselves up for possibly two spinoffs in the characters of uh, Janna with uh, Lando. (laughs) Oh, right. Because he basically invites her on the Millennium Falcon any time of the day to go find out what's going on in her past. Yeah, I, I like that, too. From. You know, I thought I thought that was yeah. a good send-off for—I I really liked Lando in this movie, actually. I was afraid that it would be too cheesy or something, but I really liked him. And Yeah, and it was funny. Mm-hmm. It was funny because when he popped up on screen— I knew who it was right away. I just knew who it was. <laughs> and I turned to, turned to both of my kids. They're 17 and 11. 
And I said, who's that? And both of them, without a hesitation, said, that's Lando. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, you knew he was going like, to be in it. You know yeah. who Lando is. And I thought it was cool yeah. that, you know, he was working with Luke to, to you know, be on that mission and stuff. So that that was all really cool. Um, yeah. And I thought that... And, and he got to go back and say his, uh, make his peace with uh, Leia because yeah. he was at the camp. Yeah. So, so that was it, cool. it was cool, and I, I thought that was a nice way to give him a send-off. And... Yeah. The other spinoff was with uh, that... Zori? Poe's girlfriend, Zori. Yeah, Zori. Yeah, I think that was they made her too interesting. Carrie Russell. <laughs> especially with her little sidekick. Yeah. She was a really especially cool character. Sidekick. And you know what? One of the great things that Star Wars can do when it's at its best is to... Just give us little hints of the, you know, of other worlds or, you know, characters. Like, Boba Fett showed up, like, barely right. at all in the OG trilogy. And, like, he's one of the most popular Star Wars characters ever, you know? So, well, he he actually showed up in that Christmas special, which I've never seen. Oh, God. <laughs> but he showed up in the Christmas special, and everyone loved him so much in that. That's why they decided to bring him into the actual movies. Oh, okay. Well, he... um that's what the internet. Yeah, told well, me. I'm just saying that like uh, she is an example of Star Wars at its best because we did not get much of that character, but she made quite an impression, and she was a very interesting character that felt like she had a lot of depth despite the fact that we didn't see very much of her. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So right. I think so. Again, there is a lot of potential to continue on with the Star Wars. Uh, Galaxy, they're definitely doing that. I know Ryan Johnson uh, is supposed to be directing his own trilogy. They have some other trilogy that they're, you know, that they've announced, but I don't know who's working on it. And they've got, you know, these Disney Plus shows now. So I'm really happy with all that. I'm overall happy with the movie. You know, maybe it's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but it's definitely not the worst one. And I think that in no way was I disappointed. Yeah, and I th I think that given the daunting insanely daunting challenge that jj abrams had to do all of this he did a fantastic right. job bringing it all together and again i think that no matter what happened there's always going to be people calling it trash and so you do the best that you can yeah. you know and you tell the best story that you can and i am personally you know pretty much satisfied with it so those are my final thoughts for now at least on star wars rise of skywalker and um Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. If you have a minute, please go to Apple Podcasts uh, if you like this episode or any of our other ones and give us a five-star rating and or review. It really does help out the show. Uh, Jess, do you want to give everybody our social media details before we head out? You mean to the Nerf Herders? Yeah, sure. I certainly do. All right, Nerf Herders, listen up. Gather around. Story time. Uh, you can find us at mechadragon.net. Tell your friends. Tell your grandmas, tell your grandma's friends, tell your grandma's friends' granddaughters that we are also on Facebook as Mecha Dragon, Twitter and Instagram at Mecha Dragon Show, and even you can contact us through email, mechadragonshow at gmail.com, and tell us which Star Wars is your favorite Star Wars movie of them all. May the Force be with you, always. May the Force be with you. Our music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0, creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.